we are going to be uncovering some untold riches. Let's do this. We're here with another exciting episode of Untold Riches. This should be episode 11 with Chris Shedd. He's a good friend of ours, a good friend of Richard's. He's going to talk a little bit more about their relationship in a second. Richard, tell us how you know Chris. How do I know Chris? I'm going to let Chris tell you how, how Chris oh, knows Oh, great. Chris. Perfect. How Richard knows Boy. Chris. But only because I don't want to steal his thunder. I feel like it's kind of like it's 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 uh it's it's important uh because it's it's a big deal. Our relationship's a big thing, right? It's a big thing. And for me to steal that thunder when he's not even on screen, I don't feel like that's appropriate for me. We Fair enough. I'll be honest. Tell you guys, and then it would end the podcast. With that hairline and that jawline, it would be hard to steal his thunder. But uh, we'll bring him on. We'll talk about him. Oh, he's amazing. Always don't dapper. I'm going to ask him about his hair care regimen. Because he's got what you've got, but he actually does something with it. I like that. I, oh, you know, you're saying he cares more than me? I don't I'm saying he clearly puts a part in his hair. Honestly, if I had, I'm always bitter. We talk about this every other podcast. I just clipped it, and it's always like the, oh, I look as good as I'm ever going to fucking look. That's I, it's, it's, hey, man, you know what? You're a very good-looking version of yourself. I I'm not bad. Good. I'm not bad. I'll tell you what. When I, learned, when I started going bald is when I decided I would never be fat because I wanted to make sure – that I would never be both bald and fat. You can't get away with both. So, so you're saying if I shave my head, I'll be skinny? That is not what I said. <laughs> All right, let's get started. All right. We're here. Kick us off. Chris is here. Oh, here. There he is. Bring him in. What's up, man? Man, I could just sit in the back room just watch you guys <laughs> go for an hour. That was hilarious. Thank uh, you. Yeah, well. It's not every time. Sometimes we bring the special sauce. Sometimes we don't. But Chris, first thing you join us today, Chris Shed, everybody, uh, you are you work you work with Movement Mortgage, right? So Chris Shed, Movement Mortgage, been a loan officer for a long time. But it's not about me telling your story. It's about you telling your story. So why don't you start off with the elephant in the room? How do we know each other? How, what's our what's our history, Chris? And I'll let you take that any which way you want. And I'll yeah, follow. yeah. Well, I, it's funny because I've you know through our professional side, our paths have crossed a number of times and, um, you know, we've, we've been connected as brothers, but, uh, n not, uh, you know, not from, not, not from the same mom, but, uh, <laughs> no, well, our connection is that Richard is my ex brother-in-law. <laughs> um, out all the exes out there. <laughs> so yeah, I, gosh, I've known Richard now we're going on. Well, Shoot, man, I, we're, we're pushing 20 years at this point, but I, I think it's like 17, 18 years now. We met when I was 19 years old. You were like, yeah. And uh, so we have just, you know, we, we've had history of working together. We've had history of uh, being at family events, vacations together, and um, have just managed to somehow continue a, a solid friendship relationship, even through some uh downs in the in history but also some pretty big highs so um you know so still what? consider him a brother love him and and you know this is ma makes it fun to kind of do a, a a podcast like this so yeah what was he like when he was like 20 years old <laughs> he's so fucking energetic now i can't even imagine he would be like a wind-up doll with a spring that never went went dull. I can't even. Yeah, I mean, one of the things about Richard I will always say and I admire is his ability to just kind of go and do something and not think of like what the implication of that thing would be. Because <laughs> um, I'm the exact opposite. I'm going to be, you know, analysis by paralysis by analysis kind of thing. Uh, but it's something that you know, even as he was a younger guy, he was just like. Let's go and do it. I mean, I, I, I remember he came up with this idea once called 
uh, what was it? Smarketing. <laughs> part of my smarketing phase? <laughs> so, smarketing, which is somehow he was going to correlate some sort of marketing campaign to smells. <laughs> like how we smell things brings up memories in our minds. Uh, but I didn't know how that was going to correlate to like real estate and what we're doing. But, you know, I, so we came up with all these, you know, the only thing that, that we started talking about, you know, I, you saw those things in uh, movies where people would light, like light the uh, bag of uh, dog excrement on their front you know, front uh, porch and leave. You know, it was like the the pop by. Oh my god! How about like a, a, a fresh baked cookie scented business card or open house flyer? Yeah, it was like a lot of scratch and sniff. It was like 4D movies that you go to at Disney World, where like you go to a bug life and they spray different like mists and smells and stuff. Five, 4D or 5D, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it was all it was all marketing was all that. Like you know, they say smell is actually one of the most powerful senses. People who it go is. through like terrible trauma and life experiences, if their brain blocks out memories or experiences or what it felt like, they'll still vividly recall the smell mm-hmm. more than anything. And so the idea behind it was like if you could tie. So like, think about it like this, like the McDonald's, you smell McDonald's French fries. I don't care where you are, what you're doing. You know exactly what that smell is. No other fries smell like McDonald's fries. So the branding they like, they have smarketing built into their French fries. How do you build that into things? Like, is it like, like Peyton said, is it scratch and sniff business cards? You know, you get like the old grandma's cookie recipe and that's like what you branded yourself on with smarketing. So when they smell it, they're like old grandma's cookies, but also think of Richard because of his marketing. I don't know. It's a billion dollar idea. I just have to get it. Yeah, we we got to get some legs on that thing. (laughs) It has legs, but I just don't know where the legs are. (laughs) Okay. But he was, uh, Peyton, to answer your question, man, he was, uh, still is just full of life and, and, Mm -hmm. um, just funny, man. I mean, it was like, you know, he, whatever came to his mind came out of his mouth. I mean, it's just, you know, here, here's, here, this is, this is <laughs> not as much. Now I have a little bit more of a filter because I've realized I can get you in trouble. Uh, even if it was innocent, like I would have, I'd be like, Oh, the stock came into my mind. I'll say it out loud. And I'm like, okay, that didn't make me look real intelligent. So I had to like rein in sometimes just going like, all right, say it one time in your brain and then you can say it out loud. So that was the governor that I had to put on, but you know, it's called maturity. Yeah, no, I can say that. that's why I don't drink caffeine. We were talking before we got on the pod. Like I don't do a lot of caffeine because I talk so fast that if you add caffeine, I'm like the little gray mouse from Tom and Jerry cartoons, <laughs> and the dumbest shit will come out of my mouth. It's I have no filter at that point. So I understand at 38, I'm not a whole lot better off. But uh, so you guys met. What got you like? Where? How did you get to where you are today? Like, you got uh, the cool shirt and the great hair and the gray beard. Like, where were you at twenty one? And how well, did you? Thank, get to I, I'd like to thank you for mentioning that, Peyton. This has been a topic of uh, a, a lot of debate over the years of who's had the better hair, and clearly, it's you know I, between Richard and I. It's it, a debate it, that you decided was like there was a there was a competition, and no one else even thought that there needed to be a competition because it's very obvious. I well, wore a hat. I put a hat on so you it could be more about you today because I wasn't yeah, wearing a hat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, well, Richard's got like the Lethal Weapon 2 Gibson yeah. grease curl factor that really, if he wanted to butch it up with some hairspray, it would be power hair. You've got like the Tom Cruise Mission Impossible 3 perfect swoop. Ah. And personally, I'm a little more into the, the Metro thing, so that really appealed. Like if I was going to do anything, 
that would be the toupee I would purchase. And now, but, now I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna force my wife to watch this podcast now. I mean, I don't. Hopefully, she watches it voluntarily. It's, <laughs> it's not that bad. She'll she'll see all the other episodes. She already knows about about this guy. Oh, we're rubbish. Yeah, no. That's fair the enough. other day, told me they were like they said something that we talked about on the podcast. I was like, wait, you listened? And they were like, yeah, people listen to the podcast. I was like. No, they don't. <laughs> I've seen no, the numbers. Don't. No, they don't. <laughs> okay, good. I'm, I'm glad that that was that the reassurance there. It like, makes it more fun. If no one listens, it makes it more fun. So, oh, yeah. All really the pressure's it. gone. It's like, oh, oh it's amazing. We talk about whatever we want, then. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So, Chris. Well, how about let's, let's just start in the middle. Let's start at the beginning. Tell us about yeah. where you're what born, you're raised, kind of life growing up, what you got into, you know, kind of shenanigans. You you enjoyed some life experiences, lessons you learned along the way. You take us where you want to go, buddy. But let's start at the beginning. Yeah, man. Well, I, I was uh, I was born in Chicago. Um, born uh, in a uh, on about a two and a half year assignment that my dad had for a marketing company out in in the in the city. Um, and so I don't remember too much of that before I came back to Virginia. Grew up pretty much around the DC metro area my whole life. Um, my, uh, you know, my parents split when when I was pretty young, and um, through that, my dad moved to Maryland. Uh, my mother stayed here in Fairfax, Virginia, and I was in private school for the early part of my years. I went to Trinity Christian School, so a lot of uh, people in the area kind of know and or have heard of Trinity Christian School, and had a brief stint at Emmanuel Christian School before I kind of got kicked out. So. Um, <laughs> We'll get to that, one, I'm sure. Um, but uh, got uh, up, put up to you know move, move with my dad up in, in, to Maryland. Uh, went to high school up there, and uh, then from there, brief uh, you know went to college for a year in Indiana. That was a huge culture shock for me before uh, transferring back here to Maryland, and that's where I met my wife and uh, came back to Virginia. Gosh, about fifteen years ago, and. I've been in real estate and mortgage lending ever since. All right. So I feel like we jumped over some stories. Yeah, um, there's a few in there. Let's go back to the one that stood out to me as you were asked to leave <laughs> a religious institution. So how, yeah. uh, how'd that come about? Well, I mean, for some reason, they don't like it when you knock a kid out in the front of the uh, <laughs> front of the school when uh, the, uh, the parents are there to pick up their kids. So, you know. Long and short, it was a it was a uh, situation where I I was not that kid that would fight all the time. I mean, I certainly had my my moments, but I was not uh, one of those you know bullies or anything like that. But uh, that, playing basketball with this kid, this kid wanted me to you know he was dribbling his ball around and and he was like, all right, Chris, come over here, try and steal it from me. He's I steal it from him, and he grabs me by the scruff of the neck and slams me on the concrete. Oh, so I kind of pop up. I'm, you know, I'm 13 at this point, I think. And, um, but I got, I remember getting up very calm and I remember going, oh, I'm sorry, man. Here's your, here's your basket. Wow. My bait, my hand's bigger, but here's your basketball. And as he went to reach for it, I just came over and just like blew him up. And then I kicked his ball into the middle of 28 and got hit by cars in there. So, um, so, you know, the best part was that I remember was um my mom ends up pulling it around the car and i try and get in the car and leave before anyone finds out of what course. i did one of the administrators runs out after the car and uh you know so my getaway oh, was not very good oh you didn't even make it out of there so um uh, long and short that's uh that was kind of the 
the end of my time in uh, Christian school, went to public school where I guess my personality uh, was uh, <laughs> a little bit better. Well, dude, I like that you made your mom your wheel man. That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, let's go, mom. Peel out. Getaway driver. Just get out of here. Don't even worry about it. Like, they're not going to call her at home. I love it. But you're 13. Yeah. You don't know. Oh, that's funny. So, getting so, the whole collective of the haymaker, classic. It was, well, I, the, well I'm not going to lie. There was, I remember seeing someone called me over the weekend and said they saw the kid at the mall over the weekend with this, like, bright, shiny, nice, <laughs> <laughs> like, half of his face all bruised up. I was oh, my like, God. Oh, man. Oh, okay. Anyhow, that's what that, you know. You do that. So for any any kids watching the podcast, don't do that. Yeah, no. Oh, Only in public school, apparently. Only in public school, you <laughs> okay. Don't do that. And before. if you approach Chris, do it like a lamb, not a lion. I'm glad I came in talking nice things about your hair and your jawline, or you might uh, <laughs> knock me right out. I, my my five stance in high school was let's talk about this. <laughs> me too, guys. Such a ween. Like I would, ne I, I yeah, I would be like, I'm gonna talk myself out of any situation that I get myself into. Like that, <laughs> I, I, I just never, I never, never would be able to escalate it. But it's so funny because then my son Jack, he his life mission is he's gonna get in a fight. Like he's good. He's he's got <laughs> to himself that he can that he can he can take care of himself, right? And I don't know what that is all about. I'm like. <laughs> I'm like he's like in our <laughs> our very um, safe neighborhood. He's like I'm gonna go on a walk because that's a better chance that someone will try to fight me. I'm like, dude, you're not gonna get any fights on your walk today, but get some exercise. Well, he's I like, get a kick out of that, Rich. I mean, being the 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 wrestling, uh, you know kingpin you once were that uh, you, you try to de-escalate. I'd be twisting people in pretzels all day long. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. That was an outlet. I think the wrestling was a constructive outlet, so I was able to use that to get whatever internal rage that I had out. Uh, but in terms of confrontation, I never liked it. And that was always something that I, when we worked together, too, you'd be like, oh, give me the phone. I'll talk to them right now. And I was like, gladly. Here you go. You can talk to them. Please do. Uh, yeah, my, uh, I don't know if that's the kind of reputation I want to have, but, you know, whatever. Here we go. It isn't even aggressive. It's just you're not – you wouldn't shy away from it. I'll have tough conversations. No problem. Give it a phone. Come on, let's talk about this. <laughs> so, but, dude, I definitely want you to tell the story about about you running into those girls that were going to that were gonna rent your condo, that were renting the condo of your beach house. We'll have to tell that story eventually. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll yeah. But anyways, back to this. So you're, you're in public school. At that point, do you go to Maryland? Yeah, so I, I transferred to Maryland halfway through, uh, excuse me, I transferred to and moved with my dad um, halfway through eighth grade. So that was kind of an interesting time to make new friends and, uh, you know, right as you're getting into high school. So I was kind of that that uh, uh, outcast kid for the second half of eighth grade, but uh, worked out, uh, started playing football in high school and, um, you know, started getting good group of uh, guys around me. In fact, my uh, very close friend to this day, we, we, we've been best buds since uh, uh, sophomore, since sophomore year in high school. Mm -hmm. Nice. That's crazy. It's cool to get a reset like right before. Cause I moved in seven, seventh grade midway. And it was like, you're the new kid on the block and everybody else are going to, you know, so you, by the time you get to high school, it kind of worn off. But like, I feel like end of eighth grade is perfect. It's like, hello. Yes, I'm here. I can play football and knock you unconscious, but also, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm here to have fun. Uh, yeah. I love your Fresh Prince story. Like you literally got into one little fight and your mom got scared <laughs> and you had to move up north to Maryland with your dad and that hair. Like, 
I've never thought of that, man. That's perfect. I, it really is. I love the French print. You were French shooting French some story. b-ball outside of the school. <laughs> like, it's so perfect. It's a basketball game of all things. It was you are the Fresh Prince of Columbia, Maryland. That's I what it comes out to. Dude, I never thought of that. That is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Like, I can't hear you right now, but Fresh Prince of Columbia is the title of this episode. So <laughs> yes. write that down somewhere, please. Wow, oh my easy. god, I'm I'm gonna text it to you. So all right now, it. yeah, now I got a, a fresh nickname. Sweet. So you're in Columbia. You're going to school there. Were you you're in Columbia at that point? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you're a dad. You go to school, and then you're in sports, right? Now you're so football. What other, what, what, you know, what other stuff are you kind of doing through? Your I played career? basketball. I was a swimmer. Um, you know, kind of grew up in a pretty athletic uh, family. My, you know, my dad was uh, a very uh, athletic uh, individual. Mister Miami, coming out of college or coming out of high school, he played uh, college football at the University of Pennsylvania. Drafted in the NFL uh, later. Ended up not going because he got an Ivy League education. So he figured that at that point it was more uh, cost effective. They didn't they don't get paid back in the seventies like they do now. But um, he he did very well. He was uh, uh, played his high school football games in the old Orange Bowl, which is pretty cool. Oh, um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, my my mother was a uh, everyone was a swimmer. My shoot, my dad's little brother had, was uh, so my uncle was was uh, inducted into the swimming hall of fame a few years back. He still swims competitively all over the world. And um, at one point, I think the, the numbers were he had 40 world records and like 117 South African records. I mean, it was, it was something like so ridiculous that you can't even make it up. I mean, it was just, it was something. So he still swims. He is uh, uh, very active and, and so came, came from a pretty athletic, uh, stock here and and um but uh, i always i always uh loved playing a lot of sports and um that's actually why i was why, why i went to my first college I, it wasn't a d1 school or anything but i was able to uh, compete in intercollegiate athletics uh figured i didn't want to do that i wanted to kind of have that big college experience and uh, so then transferred to maryland and that was a good choice for me met my wife and were you there for what one year or one semester one year Okay. In Greencastle, Indiana. So it was a, a, a culture shock to say the least. I've never seen so much corn in my life. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So, what were you? Go what sport were you focused on playing when you went to in Indiana? So I uh, was on the swim team there, but uh, wanted to play on the basketball team. Um, was was uh, tried out, made the final cut, didn't didn't end up making that that team. So. Um, swimming was kind of the default. It was the sport I was most naturally talented at, but the one yep. that I liked the least. So interesting, interesting. Yeah. And I know we've got some experiences in, in obviously playing basketball, and there was some basketball love. Like it, in, ter in terms of timing, you making that move to Maryland, but like kind of tell us a little bit about how that how that. Yeah, was. yeah. So one of the the coolest uh, experiences I had was my senior year at Maryland. We ended up going to the Orange Bowl in football. The the team went to the Orange Bowl in football. We win the national championship in basketball, and uh, I got I, I tried out for that team. So it was pretty awesome to kind of bang with uh, some of these guys that you're watching on TV. And D1 basketball, man, was just that's a different game. Let's just say that uh, they're a lot taller. They're a lot quicker. 
<laughs> so, uh, but it was, it was a blast. And, and, uh, you know, kind of look back at that time with a lot of fond memories. Dude, that's awesome, man. Yeah, that's crazy. Like the, your senior year, the pinnacle, you guys bring home a title in your favorite sport. You guys go to the orange bowl, do well in your, in, in your, in your, in your football. Did you guys, have you got, did they win a title ever since then? Or no, they, 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 that's, uh, the, the last time they won the national championship in basketball. So it was a good year to go out as a Terp for sure. Well, all right. So, and then while you were there in Maryland, you met your wife. I did. So tell us a little bit about that and then kind of how that progressed into outside of your college experience and, and kind of into life in your career. Yeah. Uh, so when I, uh, when I was thinking of transferring into Maryland, my wife actually lived in the dorms next to two people I went to high school with. And, um, so I went down, visited friends, you know, just started hanging out and, and, uh, uh, when I first met her, she was with some other guy. We joke about it all the time. He was kind of a little bit of a Magoo kind of guy, which I always bust on her for. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, we didn't really talk when I first met her. And yeah. and it was right before uh, summer was let out uh, after freshman year. When we came back sophomore year, uh, it was more of like, oh, my gosh, hold on. Who's this? And we just started talking and dating and uh, kind of the rest is history. I mean, uh, you know, we, we took some time off. We broke up for about two years in there, and but came back and um, I, I realized you guys had took a two year break. Yeah. A lot of right. shorter than that. Yeah. Just to kind of focus on, you know, there's there were a lot of changes that happened for me, um, you know, from where I started to where I uh, came. A lot of personal and spiritual changes, um, you know, wanted to. Uh, started to ask some deeper questions, meaning of life type questions, as I'm sure most college kids do, and um, started to look into some other things. So as a result of that, it it was kind of just a, a life reset yeah, and uh, a, a direction change. And so after that, though, I mean, Liz and I got uh, got back together again. We got married when we were 23, and we are uh, going to be celebrating 19, 19 years this year in October. So That's crazy, man. yeah. Three kids later, and holy smokes, life is very busy. Life is definitely busy. So, three kiddos, tell me about them. Well, uh, so we have our 14 year old Dominic, um, my uh, my middle guy Alexander, and my baby girl Christina. So, they goes 14, 10, and eight. And uh, yeah, they our kind of claim to fame, or at least my wife's claim to fame, is she we are our. Our children's size were rather uh, rather large. Yeah. Uh, why? Like, what's the deal with the baby size that you guys have? How big were these children? How big were these children? Dada came out 10 pounds. Alexander came out 12 pounds. And, um, yeah, yeah. And Christina, Christina was a tiny little nine-pounder. <laughs> <laughs> a solid dozen pounds. Yeah, she, I mean, all the... Uh, anyone who hears that story, look at my wife and are just like, you're, you're, you're not human. You know? Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's funny. So, what? so, so they're, so they're kind of of that age. You were really big into obviously sports. What kind of things are the, uh, are the kiddos doing these days? Yeah. So right now they're swimming. Uh, you know, it's pretty nostalgic for me to wake up real early on Saturday mornings. And, you know, I remember my dad being the timer for me and now I'm timer for my kids. Um, so we're doing that on Saturday mornings, but my my oldest is, has uh, become quite the wrestler, 
and uh, has just absolutely loves it, um, is getting quite a bit of attention as he's about to go into his freshman year in high school. And Alex, my middle guy, he loves basketball, which was kind of more like me. I didn't grow up wrestling, but uh, uh, basketball was, was kind of my thing, so we kind of jive on that. And Christina, she, to, she loves gymnastics, and that absolutely freaks me out. The, yeah. I, I, I don't want her to do gymnastics. Like, stick to dancing. <laughs> so how, how long has she been doing gymnastics? A couple years now, and she's just kind of going up the – Going up the the ranks here, she's very coordinated and does you know, she, and she loves it, and that that's what makes it difficult for me. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So is she doing tumbling and all that kind of stuff now, or no? So she, she not she's not doing all the running and flipping and you know all that stuff yet, but she's doing all of the um, uh, walking on her hands and handstands oh. and doing all the the flexibility stuff where they you know she's like Gumby. I mean just twists her body in weird ways that are unnatural so it's crazy man how they like it because i remember obviously when i remember when dominic was born i remember dominic coming in the office and being in his, yeah. being in his car carrier under the under the desk and liz, <laughs> liz just working and him being and now he's you know i know i know he had a great tournament recently for that wrestling tournament he won the whole thing and, and, and like you said he's getting a lot of attention because he's a bit he's a big he's a big boy He's a big boy. He uh, is. He's yeah. yeah he, he's uh. It's not going to be much longer before uh, I'm looking up to him. So he's right now. Gosh, almost six feet tall, two hundred and ten pounds as a fourteen year old. I mean, he's a he's a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the cool things I guess you guys have to share is I mean, this tournament he just won was a tournament that you won back in your day. Yeah. So same year. Yeah, eighth grade, uh, and he won the tournament. It was at the high school I wrestled for, which was pretty cool. So going back, there was a lot of nostalgia going into the wrestling room and kind of seeing that stuff. And then obviously him seeing him out on the mat, the same mats that you know I wrestled on um, for the tournament, and then watching him win it. He, he he did it in impressive fashion. So something that was really really cool is getting to see that um, you know that coming together and him enjoying it because I know he was like. He's done a lot, right? He played soccer. He did uh, baseball, swim, football, baseball, yeah. football, all of them. For whatever reason, man, like he started in the wrestling and he gave that a shot. And he's really, really enjoyed it. But what was challenging is because during the pandemic, he couldn't really do it as like a sixth grader and, and seventh grader. Like, he, what was that all about? Like, I think he tried to start and then they couldn't have. Yeah, a yeah. So, so, I mean, he was on the wrestling team, but had never wrestled ever in sixth grade. So right. he, he, he uh, was on the team then, didn't wrestle anybody in seventh grade year. I mean, that was all at home. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest, it was kind of a shock to me when I – because so he played – started football uh, his eighth grade year. And, you know, he's a lineman. He's a bigger guy, but he just wasn't showing the aggression. And then for whatever reason, the switch turned for wrestling. And holy smokes. I mean, it shocking me. And so yeah. he, he just did very, very well. I'm excited. I'm, I'm real excited to see how his season kicks off come to come October, November of this year. Yeah. Uh, freshman and and a big boy too. As a you know, those are not typically the weight classes that are that have a lot of people on them uh, in them. You know, so yeah. I'm, I'm like coming in as a freshman already at that, and he's got a lot of room left to grow into that weight. That should be that should be really exciting. So I'm <laughs> super pumped to come and watch him um, roll around on a mat. Um, but yeah, so talk to us a little bit about how that transition kind of took place. And we lost Peyton. He sent me a message. He's his internet went down. So he's, he's getting it sort of, he'll come back. That's all right. We're going to have a lot of fun. You and I, we're going to talk about things, but tell me about how kind of your, you know, what, what did you end up going to school for? And then ultimately like how it led to where you are in your career now? Uh, completely 
whatever I studied in college has nothing to do with what I do now. Um, so, you know, I went to, um, uh, went to Maryland. So after I transferred, um, there was kind of that whole, you know, and a number of us who have ever gone through that college transfer experience, there was a lot of credits lost. And, you know, so I was kind of limited in the direction that I wanted to go, wanted to go into the business school, but didn't have the right credits to still stay on time to graduate in four years. So, um, I ended up studying criminal justice and criminology with the thought that I'd go to law school. And um, so, the, you know, when I started looking into all of the options that there were there, I mean, gosh, there was a ton of opportunity with with this degree. Yeah. Um, now, looking back on it, uh, I in doing what I do now with finance and, and real estate, I would I would look back and kind of the advice that I would be giving my kids. And I was trying to figure out what you like a little bit. I mean, I start asking those questions early on, which I just didn't ask myself when I was, uh, when I was coming up. So it was kind of, I fell into, um, uh, finance actually out of, uh, my first job out of college was working for a mutual fund company in, yeah. in Bethesda, Maryland. Um, but didn't really enjoy kind of that nine to five, uh, sort of, you know, it felt like a prison to me in some, some ways where I'm just, you know, trading my time for money um, and, and not really helping people. So I, at that point, 2004 was, uh, you know, my stepfather and my mother were in the real estate business and things were going very well for them. And I love what attracted me was the freedom that they had over their schedule. So ended up studying for the test, passed, became a realtor. And uh, right around that time, it was, um, it was right before kind of the bus. So 2005 was at, at that point, five, six, we start um, uh, establishing ourselves a little bit. Uh, I, I actually immediately went into lending after I got my real estate license to, to kind of support my, uh, my stepfather at the time. And that was an interesting ride. Uh, I didn't know much about lending or mortgages, but I could add and some of these loans that I was seeing bounce around at that point was just like, can someone please explain this to me? Because right. I'm just, I, I feel like an idiot. I, I, I'm not understanding the math that makes sense here. And lo and behold, I mean, the party ended with a you know nice little crash of the house of cards there. And we were actually together at that point. We both survived yeah. that that time frame in in the uncertain real estate and mortgage world, Absolutely. and um, rode that whole. Rode that whole thing down, man. Uh, learned a lot during that time. It was a very painful experience, a scary experience. Yeah. But um, I think those experiences for sure helped solidify sort of the bedrock and the, the groundwork for uh, for the success that we that we see now. I, I say I say during. I would never want to go through it again. You know, I don't yeah. think the market we're heading into now is going to be anything like that one. No. Um, those challenges were 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 really man-made uh, and we put ourselves in that situation. Uh, we let things get a little too carried away. Going through that though, I think has made me a far better business person, entrepreneur, coach, uh, just a better human being. Like like just being able to handle the adversity that that who would have thought it would have it would have changed as drastically as it did. And uh, welcoming back to the party, we're joined here by Peyton Polychromes. It appears to be he is he's, he's visiting us remotely from inside of his vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> Are you here? Are you on site? We can hear you. We can hear you. Can you, can you tell us about what you are witnessing right now, where you are? 
Oh man, we don't oh, have the connection. We don't have the connection. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go back to the studio and check back in with Peyton in just a moment. We're having some technical difficulties and uh, oh wait, is he back with us? He's here. Sort of. He's sort of here. He sort of here's here. We can see him and that's what's important. So we're going to come back. We're going to go we're going to go right back to our our, our guest here, Chris. Uh, so yeah, so you, you you're going through this the market completely changes. How does that dynamic now shape your career moving forward? Yeah. Um, well, I, I'll be honest. I mean, there were times certainly where I I uh, thought that we would lose everything, quite honestly. Um, you know, my, my wife, thankfully, uh, had a stable employment through that time because we were working a lot of short sales and things together. You'd work six months on a transaction to only have it fall apart at the yeah. at, at, in the last uh, minute there. And it was it was tough, man. Um, but uh, what it did do is it certainly forced me to grow up and grow up very quickly. Um, and, and so that, that was, was a, an experience just, I mean, I think you said it perfectly. I wouldn't want to go through it again, but living through it and knowing what you know now, you can see things that you would have probably done differently had you known something back then. Um, and that's, I think, all part of growth, right? I mean, we, in any business, in any market, um, so, you know, but certainly through that, uh, I became a very conservative individual, yeah. um, certainly look at, uh, you know, how my, my outlook on economics and finances were, were very much impacted by that experience. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I, it proved to be, a a good thing to go through, but I'm glad I can, you know, I, I say that while looking in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Yeah, the luxury is going. I have been through it. I've learned all the lessons from it. And then I'm hopefully equipped to never have to experience it again. Yeah. Even if circumstances outside of my control do dictate a, a similar environment, um, I'm, I'm, I'm probably geared to weather that storm. And, and yeah, and I feel I feel a little bit, I feel very similar about it. And it's interesting because even folks that I coach or I work with now professionally and, 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 and give advice to and help them in their businesses, you know, some of them have only been in their businesses a handful of years and trying to, you know, I'll, I'll make comments and think that they understand based on the experiences that I have right. sometimes. And they're like, well, what, what are you talking about? Like that? And I'm like, well, yeah, I would do it this way just, you know, in case, right. Just in, you know, you do it this way. And I think that's honestly probably one of the things that you bring to the table um, for your clients is that experience. Like, Hey, I weathered the storm. So when I'm looking at matching you with the right financial product, uh, I really do take into account, you know, making sure I put you in a, in a situation where I would put myself if, if yep. in the same circumstances. And that's always something I've really appreciated about you, the integrity you bring to your business. And the fact that you even brought it up a minute ago that you asked questions before you even knew what was going on. And you're like, this just doesn't make sense. What yeah. you mean? This person can buy a house. It sounds cool. What's a ninja? I don't even know. But this person doesn't have anything. And you're going to give them a million dollar loan? How is this adding up? Yeah. Like you were asking questions before. <laughs> before. Yeah, yeah. Debt to income ratio did, didn't exist. I mean, it was, it, it, it was a wild time, man. I mean, just, and unfortunately, I mean, a lot of people were hurt even worse than we were. You know, yeah. losing their homes, losing their retirement, losing the, everything. Markets change. It, it was, it was a catastrophe. It sure, it sure was. But going through it, you start to look at markets like our shifting market right now. Yeah, and uh, you're able to address some of the concerns. You can see some of the reality, but at the same time, you can also move some of that 
fear, uncertainty, doubt that the media likes to push out there and say, here's why this is different. Here's here's some actual numbers. Here's some analysis to consider that didn't exist then. So, Well, just since I got you here and we're on the topic, not that it's really story related, but what's your take? What do you think is going to happen here? You know, you have that frame of reference. Everybody wants to know what's going on. So yeah. for historical purposes, we can come back here and say, did Chris call his shot or was he way off base? Okay. Well, this will be fun. I would so love to have a historical review to be able to go, ha, 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 you were way <laughs> off base. And we'll just delete it if you're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I'll say is, you know, any of us would love to have a crystal ball. And that's why, you know, we do what we do. If we had that crystal ball, we'd probably be all retired somewhere. So, um, but my thoughts on the overall market right now, it is certainly in a shift um, due to results of pandemic and a lot of uh, uh, money printing, quite honestly, from the Fed. I, in, in my personal opinion, a bit of mismanagement there uh, where we're starting to see interest rates climb as a result of what inflation is doing. And um, most recently, you know, we're seeing uh, obviously at the last report here, uh, was was inflation being 8.5, 8.6%. It's actually a bit higher than that, but uh, how they decide that factor is is kind of what's called the CPI report. Yeah. And as a result, the Fed is trying to aggressively drop the Fed funds rate currently to try and combat inflation. What that's going to do is push us into a recession. Uh, now, that is a very, that's a very scary word because the only other recession a lot of us know was the 2008 Yep. Housing crisis, housing recession, uh, but recessions are normal. Recessions are cyclical and, and a recession is defined obviously as two quarters of negative gro GDP growth. That's just what it is. It's it's not the sky's falling, oh my gosh. But, um, but as a result of inflation, uh, the Fed's monetary policy is gonna push us into a recession. And historically speaking, real estate actually has done very well during recessions because interest rates on longer term debt come down. And that's what I think will happen is interest rates are have been rising steadily over the first six months of this year. But it wouldn't surprise me that we see it as soon as the holiday time frame of this year, maybe bleeding into a bit next year where these interest rates start to come down. And those who have been purchasing houses over the last four, five, six months uh, will be presented with a refinance opportunity. So uh, that's that's my that's my hot take hot take okay. and where I think we'll be going. and. I look forward to circling back on this and seeing how close or how far off I was. I, I hope like in a week, something major changes and then your prediction is just complete. And I'm going to launch this thing that day. I'm going to be like, hey, I don't care who's supposed to get launched next. Launch this one because I just I, I just want to ridicule Chris. I just, I, yeah, just, see, I, I mean, now that you get me on some sort of market timing thing, you got to start uploading these things pretty quick. Oh, no, no, everyone, no. It's, it's June 24th today, 2022. <laughs> Hey, hey, it's going to get uploaded sometime between tomorrow and the next 12 months. So whatever is the most timely and advantageous for me to be able to have fun with you, that's what this is going to be. And you know what? Look who's back. Hey, Rose is here. Dude, what's I up, man? Block. I was on my hotspot making sure you guys keep recording. I tried to hop back on. It was hilarious. It was and I, by the time I got home, my internet was back on. So thank God. Dude, this was awesome, though. I mean, we weathered it. We just kept, we didn't miss a beat, man. I was and terrified. I, I saw you guys pop back on. I was like, oh, my God, it's still recording. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was it was perfect. But I was worried that you weren't going to have the link to get back in because I know it's like a one-time link for the meeting. I was, too, but here we are. So Here no, we are. We figured I just it out. Thought he was, 
I just thought he was bored with my story. That's all. No, so he, no my internet dropped I, off. If he hadn't, I probably would have. I know? like living in Stafford, but I do live like in the woods. <laughs> so, There's first, pros to living in the woods. First time we've had problems with my Wi-Fi during a recording, and I was very sorry about that. But no, yeah. all good, man. All good. It makes it memorable. We'll be like, oh, what was that recording that was like you bailed on us? It, it yeah. Was, we'll be able to. So this is why we use StreamYard because unlike Zoom, it's not a local recording. It's on a server. Right. There we go. I like it. You guys are good. Yeah, I like it. So I read this article uh, before we hopped on on Forbes. Yeah. I know you guys are both dads, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. I don't know. Hopefully it's an interesting topic, but it was on primal world beliefs in child rearing and the idea. And I just I, – I guess the thing that stuck out to me was how preposterous it was someone felt the need to write an article on this topic because it said that if you raise your child believing the world is unsafe, uh, mechanized – and there's no potential for growth, that they'll have psychological problems. And I read through the whole like thousand word article and I got to the end and I was, cause I've been, you know, my kid's six now, he's going to first grade. I know you guys have older kids. And, but it's like with that emotional growth has come my need to kind of like keep up, you know, up until about five, especially during the pandemic, I was just super dad. We just fucking jumped on trampoline. It was all good. We just had fun. But now it's like, how do I navigate a human person interacting with other human people so I've been looking for outside sources. So I read this article, and it just goes on and on about how, like, if you teach your child the world is unsafe and that it is over-mechanized and inorganic and that there's no potential for growth or expression, your child is more likely to have mental health issues. And I was like, no shit. Like, I, was yeah. like, so I guess that was my takeaway. I was like, who needs an article about this? Yeah. Even if you're not safe, even if bombs are dropping, you know, you sing Mary Had a Little Lamb. You know what I mean? It's what London Bridge is falling down. It's all about that. You know, it's like the plague or whatever. So I don't know. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? What is the importance to you about projecting confidence and self-assurance even through hard times? It, mentioning a recession and things like that, the uncertainty of business. How do you guys insulate your families from those those blows that you feel? I'll let you go first, Chris. Shoot, man. That's a, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> and one that I thought uh, thought about quite a bit because you, you want to – have there's a part of you that w doesn't want your your kids you know dancing through life thinking it's all you know rainbows and and you know lollipops but there's uh there's also something to be said for just reality and you know i mean they're seeing things like okay why why are people shooting up schools i mean i'm in school oh my gosh what, what do we what do we do and as a parent obviously it's very un unsettling um so I think a part of it is just talking about concerns in, in and amongst us. I mean, we're looking at wars in Russia and Ukraine, and uh, yes, we're not living through that here, but there's there's different fears here. Mm -hmm. And basically talking about that in a way that doesn't scare them, but that in reality, it's, it, it, it is the reality that, that, that we live in and that you're doing everything that you can to protect them. Yeah. Um, but th there is, I guess, that element of there, there's that fine line there where you want them to be, you know, there's a scripture that I think about a lot where it's like be innocent as doves, but as shrewd as snakes. Right. Where there is where there is this idea of, you know, walking through life and kind of having, a, you know, as and I was mentioning this to Richard. But when when you got kicked off there, Peyton, that, uh, you know, through my college uh, time, I was you know, starting to ask some kind of deeper meaning of life sort of questions and um, and understanding that, you know, gosh, it just seems pretty pointless that, you know, we live and we work and we die and what is there anything 
else after that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and, and so I kind of came to the conviction that there was, uh, that there is something to hope for beyond. And so with that sort of perspective, it helps kind of uh, encapsulate some of the stuff that we don't like to see or that we're, we're, we're dealing with now, just understanding things from a, from a larger kind of eternal perspective. So um, with, with that, it was, it, it's actually helped in the conversation quite a bit because, you know, none of us are getting out of here alive. Right. I mean, that's kind of the idea. <laughs> so yeah. you're going to have to deal with the reality of death with your kids at some point, no matter how it happens, it's a reality. So, yeah. um, so you, I think that there is that part of not freaking them out and being overprotective and uh, too overprotective, but being age appropriate, overprotective and giving them a little bit of, of more leash as they get older. Um, so, you know, I th- it really comes down to kind of the issue at hand. And then what's sort of the perspective uh, that you view your life through it and, and you know, humanity in kind of the condition that it's in. So it's an interesting, but very deep, uh, very, very deep uh, question that you ask. So and I think it might be different just for everybody. Yeah. I mean, for me, parenting is, is by far the most complicated thing I've ever had to do. like not even close (laughs) i I mean there may be are there may be subject out there that are more complicated than it but i can't think about being responsible for the development of another human being let alone four of them you know uh you paid two and you three chris Uh, being responsible for them and their life experiences and ultimately cultivating them or nurturing them into who they're going to become for me i think really the big thing has always been you know, I read a book that was really powerful and kind of did shape how I approach my parenting. The book was called Grit, Grit by Angela Duckworth. And she did, she's a psychologist who studied all of these behavioral traits that have led to people by and large that share. Oh my God, there's two of you. Oh my gosh, there's two of them. Yeah. Woo. Sorry. I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm getting pretty annoyed. That was a great answer, Chris. Dude, don't, don't even get Don't even get annoyed, man. That was cool. You duplicated yourself for a second. So, uh, so sometimes you need that in parenting. Yes. <laughs> I tell you what, going from man-to-man defense to zone, when they outnumber you, that for the first, that's that that was the biggest the biggest. Well, for me, I went from one to four, so there was already a big transition. But um, uh, you know, I think in, in going back to the, the grit conversation is one of the things that they really found in investigating these different like parenting principles is encouraging your kids to be able to try things right to put themselves out there without the fear of failing Mm -hmm. and requiring of them that when they try something they see it through to completion Mm -hmm. and when they've seen it through to completion it is ends up being one of two things one they realize it is in fact not something that they want to do and they can exit that activity in an appropriate time they're not let off the hook which is the Mm -hmm. easy out and the second element to that is it gives them the fair shake to find out if, in fact, is it something that they like? Is it something that they could do if they've given it the appropriate amount of time to develop the skill needed? Very few of us try something for the first time and succeed at it stellarly, right? There is a learning process. So this grit, this determination to stick with something, see it through and complete it. And I think the key here that I've taken that's one element added to this grit concept is that teaching your kids to remove the result from their own identity, right? That's something I feel like I wish I had, you know, we've talked about it a little bit on this podcast before, but so much of my, 
who I am today was developed in my high school experience going through wrestling, right? And me going through that very traumatic time where there was highs and there were lows and me not being able to uncouple my emotional state, my own self-worth yeah. from the result of my wrestling experience has been tragic, right? Like a lot of the things that I dislike the most about myself, the things that are challenges, the things that I feel like are my biggest shortfalls are as a result of that experience. So I want my kids to be able to have experiences where they can experience the highs like I did in wrestling, the hard work that went into it. Cause I went from like JV, JV, JV. I didn't get a chance to actually start in wrestling until my junior year. And that was my one year. And I went all the way to States in one year. People were like, who is this kid? And what it was is I worked really hard diligently for year, year in and year out from the time I was in fifth grade all the way into a junior year before I really got my time to shine and an opportunity. And then it was all taken away my senior year. And so that really defined what I thought I was capable of doing. And I'd always been on a short leash because of that. So for my kids, I want them to try things, not be afraid of making a mistake and not letting them quit on something just because it was hard, but because if they weren't able to actually accomplish that and get the result they were looking for, what I definitely didn't want was for them to own that, that they as a human being are able to do that. And that's now become who they are as a person. That's, I think, really the the, the, the most important element here is, is them being able to separate the two. And I think the common thread there is, is your character building, no matter what it is, through challenge, through failure, like, okay, I don't like that. Well, now you know that you don't like that. And even through the successes, understand that there's, don't attach your self-worth to the result, but give all your effort and the result should be a stronger character, yeah. more integrity. Absolutely. Know? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's so, it's so hard. I mean, one of the core values I have at Bridges business solutions is being sold on you. Um, and I think really where that all comes from is it's not from like be cocky because of who you are, or what you think you possess or because you're so much better than other people. That isn't what it's about. What it's about is having a belief in yourself that you have things to contribute in a meaningful way to be able to help other people. Right. And whatever role it is with service or product or sale or whatever, whatever it is that you do professionally, being able to truly believe like when you look in the mirror, you're like that person has worth and they can do this. Right. And that, I think, is a big difference between people who will put themselves out there and try something and folks that really allow circumstances and experiences and their own belief systems to hold them back. Um, so, yeah, that's to answer Peyton's question. Peyton, how was that a good what did you think? How did I go? He got he got bored again, man. It's all good, man. I love that guy. He's so frustrated right now too, and I I just got to tell like I wish I was there. I'd give him a big hug, and then I wouldn't be on here because my internet wouldn't work either. But I'd give him a big hug nonetheless. It'd be the Chris show. Chris would be on here and be like, "Well, I'd be interviewing myself." Yeah. Uh, what do you guys want to know about me? Oh, no one's here. That's fine. I'll ask the hard hitting questions. It's <laughs> me laugh the most, you know, and then we'll go down that avenue. But I think that's good. Let's go have some fun right now. I want to actually hear some different stories. So we got your life right. Got kicked out of Christian school. Went and lived with your dad, did some football, basketball, went to college, made some of your best friends in high school, went to Indiana, didn't work out. You hate corn, moved to Maryland. Uh, they won championship. You weren't able to make the basketball team. Then you got into real estate. Housing market collapsed because you got into real estate. And then you met your wife. Well, you met your wife in high school, had three giant. Met my wife in college. And then my wife in college. Right, right, right. My wife in college. And then you had three monster babies. They're all in the, They're all athletes. And um doing really well. You have, uh, you're a stellar dude and you now do loans finance. Yeah. So now that we're up to speed, we know exactly everything about your life. Um, tell me 
one of the most interesting experiences you've ever had in your life? Like, just like a, can you believe, like, this is a cool, like, you find yourself retelling this story regularly because it's just so interesting. Wow. Um, well, you know, I have a, I, I know that there was a, a talk with the prior guy that you, that, that we know, Jack, who, who had the Virginia yeah. Tech experience, which was pretty intense. Um, oh, yeah. I actually, I mean, I had a close call, I would say, that it just allows you to have a perspective in life that, you know, kind of any, at any moment, you know, is, you know, every moment is is a gift. And so, yeah. um, you know, was I, I was 16 and um, what was cool with my dad's job was that he would be able to get certain, you know, uh, uh, certain tickets to sporting events and things. So I've been to a Super Bowl and I've been to uh, a lot of basketball games, all-star games, you know, very cool things. But I was also able to go to the Olympics in 1996 in Atlanta. And um, if anyone remembers, there was a kind of a, a, a bomb that exploded oh, yeah. uh, there in, in this area. Uh, and I was at that place the day before. Um, oh. I was right where that that bomb went off. I uh, was in, in a certain part of the uh, village or the area there that's kind of like a like almost like a courtyard, a huge courtyard for people to kind of come and congregate. They had all this uh, all these like stands around the area. I remember clearly the uh, the Swatch, uh, uh, you know, Swiss Watch Company was was right in this area. Yeah. They had a stage where where concerts would go on and all this other stuff. And I was right there. I was actually right where the bomb went off 24 hours earlier. And, um, or excuse me, 24 hours later. And uh, that was one of those, you know, you're seeing this on on the TV as a 16 year old kid. And and you have that reality, kind of what we talked about here of, of the world that we live in. Um, but also it kind of made a uh, made an impact on me that every every breath you have, every minute you have it is a gift. It can be taken at any moment. And wow. so live accordingly. And, uh, you know, it's funny that I, I try, like I force myself into that place because naturally I'm a overthinker and I, uh, plan for the future and I, you know, but planning for something that may or may not, you know, come. Um, yeah. so that, that's a, a pretty interesting story, uh, a close call, I would say that I had. Um, and then, you know, growing up too was, a. uh, uh this actually happened to me and my sister in two very different um, uh, scenarios, but our best friends growing up both passed away um, where uh, uh, where you, you were dealt with the reality of life at a very early age and, and the loss of someone that meant some, someone to you, that was your age. That was something that was uh, uh, kind of a grow up moment and, and, and certainly shaped the way that I, look at life. So, um, I don't know if that answers the question, but like, a I would say that was, that was, those were two very compelling stories and experiences that you had. Yeah. Yeah. I can see, I can see how they, you know, when they happen foundationally, how they can kind of create who you become and your whole perspective and outlook on life, you know, that it's not, nothing's guaranteed. Every day is a blessing and uh, not everybody gets the opportunities that you get, you know, yeah. to experience life the way you do. Um, so tell us, you know, tell us about a time that you felt was really transformative for you professionally 
like when there was a moment or an experience where you were like, you know, Hey, you know, you were thinking law school, then you went real estate and then lending. And was there ever really a moment that you kind of got clarity on what your career was going to become? Yeah, I remember, and this was before we actually worked together all those years ago. Um, I remember sitting down, uh, this is when I was in lending. I mean, so I shoot baby and you know, the market was going nuts and with all these ridiculous loans, I remember sitting down with this guy who, uh, the, the company I was a part of was acquired by a bank and, um, the guy was just a jerk. I mean, the guy was just an absolute, I mean, a criminal without wearing a mask. Uh, but he had a, an executive position with this company that later fell off. And I remember him sitting down with me and my stepfather and basically not looking at me, but talking with my stepfather, who was a realtor saying he doesn't have what it takes to be a lender. He doesn't have, he's, he's never going to succeed at this. And I remember that very, very clearly. And I remember like all of the competitiveness in me um, that just, I mean, it took everything I had to not jump across the table and knock him out too, but. Knock him out, um, kick his ball across the street. What's, yeah, yeah, kick his, kick his basketball, right. Um, but that always stuck with me and kind of gave me that chip on my shoulder that, yeah. um, that he said that I wasn't gonna be good at something that I decided to make my career and, and have been, you know, seen some, some success with. Yeah. Um, so that that was a, a moment uh, on top of the fact that right after that surviving all of what we had to go through during that you know that uh crisis it was just the the the, the uh, what i what i'd like to say is kind of that stick to and that that conviction or stubbornness whatever you want to call it to say like this thing's not going to beat me i'm going to be i'm going to be good at this right and um uh so that's where I kind of jumped into all of the education and things that I could. Yeah. Uh, and, and, um, you know, I, do, I, I was kind of, uh, live and try and critique my, the decisions that I make with, um, you know, I can deal with the fear of failure much better with then with the, than the fear of regret. Cause you know, fear of regret, I'll never be able to change fear of failure. I, I can be able to pivot and be able to learn from, but, yeah. uh, Nevertheless, I, I am fair, afraid of both. And I think one of those can certainly be a, they can be a, a fuel, but, um, but that's something that at the end of the day, you just kind of break down and say, all right, I, I, I'm not going to leave here with the regret that had I went and done something else that that thing would have always been in my head that, you know, I wasn't able to do something and that, that would have, that would have haunted me. Yeah. The fact that you didn't let that guy, uh, what he said, become part of what you believe instead no. you used it as fuel. And, uh, and I think that that's, uh, that, that, that's something that, you know, in key moments in our lives, I think people have, they can, they can either believe it or they can say, I'm, I'm going to use that to, I want to prove that person wrong. Right. Like, I'm, and it was also in a mold of like, I don't want to be the, the way that I perceive lending and the relationships that I built are very different than how that guy would. Like, I want people to feel cared for. I want people to yeah. feel like they were fought for that. They, that they mattered enough to somebody else to uh, uh, to take care of them in, in this way. And this is, you know, obviously real estate transactions for most people hold, hold the highest numbers and can be one of the most stressful financial things that anyone ever does. Yeah. Um, and just to be that, that voice uh, uh, of caring and reason and advice um, is, it meant a lot to me, so. Yeah, I think a lot of people in the lending industry um, 
they can't look past the number. You see mm. the numbers all day and see the person. And you've always been able to look through the numbers and see the person. Yeah. Uh, that's that's an important element, I think, to getting to getting somebody who really cares. Because it's easy to do it's easy to do the easy things. It's hard to do the caring and really looking out for somebody because sometimes that might not align with what your own personal goals are, you know, what you're looking yeah. to accomplish. Um, yeah, I love that, man. That, those, those were good stories. I hadn't heard that one, so I actually appreciate you sharing that. Um, shifting gears just a little bit, what I'd love to hear is tell me about a time where you laughed, like a just a solid just belly laugh where you were like giggling uncontrollably. Tell me about experience. First one that comes to mind. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear about something funny. Softball. Okay. All right. So we're going to go there. All right. <laughs> Let's do it. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's the first one that came to my mind. Um, <laughs> so there's tons of, you know, Richard and me stories growing up. Um, but one was where we were out, you know, we were playing this in softball game and, and, um, Richard decides to get aggressive, you know, and, and show that he actually plays plays softball. And he slides into second and basically all the whole side of your leg <laughs> just gets shredded. Yes. So, this this infield was like had gravel in it, like little pieces of gravel in the dirt. So it was like you don't slide on that field, but Richard was like, I'm getting second. And so I slid. So you know, you're hurting afterwards and the whole side of your leg is all jacked up. Yeah. We leave, we go back to my small apartment in Bethesda um, and, you know, get you, get you, get you, uh, you know, Hey, we, we can't, we, we got, we got to deal with this. We don't want this getting infected. And so, um, so I just had rubbing alcohol that, uh, that, you know, we had to disinfect. Um, and so, I've never found the story funny though, but I'm I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you finish. I just remember you asking, by any chance, do you have any hydrogen peroxide? And I was like, we don't have it, bro. I'm sorry. We just you know, but look at your leg; it's not looking good. So I you hiking up your shorts and being in the bathtub, and I just douse this this alcohol over your leg, and you about ripped the curtain off. Oh. Off, off the uh, uh, off the shower, and um, you know, and I just let you. You know, I wasn't laughing at that point, but uh, we're going to get to the point where it makes it makes this very very funny. Is you know, you're you're all set, and then we pop the TV on, watch a movie, sports, whatever we're doing, and my wife shows up and comes back in the house, and um, we tell her what happened, and this, in all honesty and transparency, I. I did not honestly think that we had any hydrogen peroxide. Yeah, well, so we tell Liz what happens, and she was like, why didn't you use the hydrogen peroxide? And Richard's face to me was one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was, to this day, we're going on you know, 15, 16 years later, and it's still one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. So that was a very, very funny moment for me. Yeah, and when, when, when my reaction, in addition to like almost ripping the the curtain off of this shower, was I 
flexed every muscle in my body. It had to be the equivalent of like when you get tased. Like, yeah. like it was like involuntary. Like I was in so much pain. And when he says like I scraped my leg, we're talking from my ankle to like part of the way up my hip, like up my thigh. That All of that is gone off one side of my leg. Like it was nasty. So we're talking – Full pain, as much more pain than is ever even necessary to clean it. We could have just used water. I don't even know. I don't get your water soap. No, we're you, yeah, right, yeah, I, I was throwing like I'm like, hey man, but what do you think about like what do you think about this and what do you think about this? And you were just like, no, we can't risk it. Germs, Richard. What if it got infected? I don't want to risk it. Like you were selling me so hard on this alcohol, and I was like, "Whatever, dude." I mean, if that's really what it's going to be about, and I had never used alcohol, <laughs> not on a paper cut, not on nothing. So no one had told me. Like my mom loved me, so she had hydrogen peroxide. I didn't even know what. And then you put that on me. Oh my god, it hurt so bad. It hurt so bad. And then when Liz came in, I just she was like, "Why did you use the hydrogen peroxide?" And I was like. Are you serious? And I looked at him, and he, you get, you laughed. I don't know, an hour. You get, like, um, we were, like you. I was like, <laughs> you were, I think I left. You were still laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing 15 years later. Dude, it was ridiculous. You know, all yeah, the that was a good one. Had, had to do with me and pain because the jalapeno. Same thing, man. I was like, not a spicy eater. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, that one you thought was hilarious too. You were like, oh, you don't, you know, jalapenos are great. I'll give you like a dollar to eat one. And I was <laughs> like, okay. It was at the baby shower. It was like the day we're celebrating the birth of Lily, like Lily coming into the world, and we're doing this. And you're like, yeah, man, we'll go get burgers. And you were like, oh, get the jalapeno one. I was like, I, I don't, I don't. Oh, I don't like that was cruel of you, man. I'm sorry. Dude, you gave me that. I ate it, and I, the guy, the waiter, had to go to the Seven Eleven next door to get me milk because I was crying. It was so hot. I was like, it was like I was on hot ones eating the hottest of the hot, hot wings. It was a jalapeno, man. Come on. Dude, right. I remember after you ate one, and you were like, "Okay, I was a little spicy." Just normal. <laughs> I, I got the one with all the seeds. Apparently, like it was so hot. Uh, that's some so good hot. stuff. Yeah, man. So yeah, now we we have some good ones with you, with you. I love it. It's so funny. All right, so let's end with we got just a couple minutes here. What would you say is the most impactful lesson you've learned in your life, or or advice you've been given by someone that you really like? This is wisdom I impart it to my kids, to other people. Just something that's happened. It can be an experience, it can be a story, or it can just be advice that someone gave you one time that you're like, this is something that I think everyone should know. You know, the one that I always think of is, and it's a piece of advice my, my dad gave me as a kid, and, uh, and I, I think about it often, but it, it, the, the phrase is, um, you know, listen to the words, but watch the feet. Mm -hmm. And it's give anybody the benefit of the doubt, listen to them, um, but if their actions clearly or how they live are against that, then their words don't mean anything. Well, obviously, you know, if you're going to do something, son, if you say that you're going to do something, back it up, be, ha have the honor and the integrity to back it up, even if it costs you something. So, um, that's something that I hope that I, I am an example of with my kids, uh, with my business partners, with the people that I get to serve, with my family. I mean, is that, um, you know, I, I'm not willing to, to, 
share any advice that I'm not willing to actually live out. And, um, you know, being, uh, as we've said a number of times, just, uh, it, someone, someone who, who, uh, uh, is shows integrity in what they do. I love that, man. I so, yeah. a lot of Listen to the words, watch the feed, but then that's watch. with, with looking at anybody else too. Uh, but also realize that people are watching your life and, and are you living up to what you talk about? So. Yeah, my, 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 my wife has a similar one and she's just like, people show you who they are. You just have to pay attention. You know, it's one of those things you just let their actions tell you what they're about, who they are, what's important to them. Um, you know, and it goes, yeah, there's a lot, lot, lot to that. I love that. And that's definitely something I would say from knowing you for as long as I've known you, that that's something you definitely exemplify in how you live your life. So appreciate that. Um, Good way to good way to close us out strong. Christmas was fun. Thank you for coming on. I'm sorry, Peyton was in and out. I think he's watching. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to close it out like we normally do, but we might rec record something a little bit later to, to to put in. Are you able to put me in like a thing by myself and close out, or are you able to switch us around, Peyton? He said he was like watching, but if he's not, then you're gonna have. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you instructions really quick. Doesn't look like he is. So all right. So the way that Peyton and I typically, I don't know if you watch these. The way we typically end. We're gonna give you a shameless plug. Then I'm gonna plug Peyton and I. And then at the very end, we're when we're when we're done, they're signed off. I'm gonna go pew 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 pew. We just do little shooters. I don't know why. Actually, I have no idea why that happened once. But that's what we're gonna do. So you're gonna be a little silly with us. Got it. Uh, so shameless plug for you. People needed to talk to you, get a hold of you, had questions for you about life, work, just who you are as a person, general advice. What's the best way they can get a hold of you? Shameless yeah, uh, I mean, call me 703-498-8235. And my uh, my email, chris.shed at movement.com. All right. And uh, yeah, just if there's any any questions that you have on the real estate market and finances as a whole, or if there's any um, anyone that uh, is looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, give me a shout. I love it. I love it. All right. I'll second that. And then uh, for Peyton and I closing out, thank you guys again for listening, uh, for watching, for tuning in, however you did. Uh, but I would say he's here. There he is. He just texted me. I'm here. I am Peyton with Milestone Virtual Services and Pearson Smith Realty here to help all your virtual assistant needs as well as buying, selling, renting, and investing in homes. Call me if you need me. Richard Bridges, Bridges Business Solutions. We do entrepreneurial coaching, small business, uh, consulting, uh, professional therapy uh, for businesses, <laughs> not for actual mental okay. Mostly therapy for just like talking through. It's very hard to be an entrepreneur. Um, so that's what we do. Uh, we'd love to talk to you guys. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We will have another episode. This one will get dropped in a few weeks. Uh, we'll see if Chris's bold predictions come true. I hope they don't. And uh, yeah, we just uh, we, we appreciate you guys tuning in. So that's all I got. Signing off. All right. Pew, pew. pew, 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 pew.